The text for the sermon this morning is Luke 16, verse 9. Luke 16, verse 9, we'll read that verse again. And there the, the Lord Jesus says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an eternal and everlasting home. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sermon this morning is, is about mammon. Mammon is money. The word mammon often refers to the God of money. So this sermon is about money. It's about your paycheck. It's about your part-time job. It's about our cars, homes, vacations, clothing, computers, cell phones, possessions. The Lord Jesus says in our text that we need to make friends by means of mammon. Strange advice. We need to use our money and possessions to make friends. What does the Lord Jesus mean? That's what we're going to think about this morning. And now some of you might be thinking, do we really need to hear about money here in church? We deal with money all week. Banks, credit cards, mortgages, investments, lack of financial growth in tough times, on the news and so on. It's in our face all week, this money business. Do we need to deal with that in church then too? Don't we come here to find rest from our everyday concerns? Well, I, I think it is necessary that we hear about that. Jesus spoke about money quite a few times in the Gospels. And for us, in these times of what's called economic stagnation, there's a big danger that we become overly concerned about money. For in the whole stream of information put out by the media about financial worries, there's one thing missing, and that is attention for God and His providence. We don't hear about that in the news also not in the financial news. And with all the information about the financial downturn today and stagnation, there's the danger that we forget that we're people who live in the light of God's gracious promises. As believers, we're sons of the light, as the Lord says in Luke 16, children of the light. And as children of the light, we can and we should look at money and possessions differently than the world which doesn't know God, which doesn't believe in God. Jesus says we need to use mammon to make friends for the future. And that's then the theme for the sermon this morning, as children of the light make friends with mammon. And that means that we should look higher than the world does in the first place, look farther 
than the world does in the second place, and in the third place, look differently than the world does. So look higher, look farther, and look differently than the world does. The children, as children of light, of the light, we need to look higher than the world does in the first place. In verse 8 of Luke 16, the Lord Jesus compares the sons of light with the sons of this world. The sons of the light are those who believe in God's grace through him, Jesus. And the sons of this world are those who don't believe in God, as we mentioned. And they're just preoccupied with this world and their daily life in this world because that's, that's it for them. That's all they, they know about. They don't realize that there's more than just this world and the life in this world. They don't know that there's a whole spiritual world above and beyond this world. And the Lord Jesus calls us sons or children of the light. He himself is the light of this world. He says, it says elsewhere, through Jesus Christ, the light of God shines in this world. That's why believers can look higher than the unbelieving world does. You can, you can direct your attention to God and to Jesus Christ, who's in heaven now too at God's right hand, higher than, than this light. You see, there's more going on than only what goes on here and what we can see <clears throat> in, in this world and in this universe. And we need to keep seeing that too as, as believers. And that's why the Lord Jesus spoke the parable of the steward in Luke 16. <clears throat> that steward in this parable was a, a busy man. He was supposed to manage his master's business. He paid the bills. He received payment for goods. He went after payment. He made deals with buyers and sellers. Maybe it was an agricultural supply business or something like that. People paid for goods or services in kind, with oil or with wheat, as we know from the rest of the parable. In any case, that steward had a very responsible position in that business. He handled a lot of money and goods. However, that steward in Jesus' parable forgot that there was somebody above him, namely the owner of the business. In all his wheeling and dealing, nothing was actually that steward's, but it all belonged to his master, his boss. A steward is someone who takes care of somebody else's money and goods, and none of it is his. He's supposed to manage his master's possession and business. The thing is, though, this steward forgot about his boss. And he started to waste his master's money and goods, started to deal with them as if they were his only. And his master had to keep putting more and more money in the business without getting return for it. He was a dishonest or unjust steward, as it says in the text, or before the text, an unjust steward, dishonest. Later in the parable, the Lord Jesus speaks of 
unrighteous mammon, and he uses the same word, unrighteous. But that doesn't mean, by the way, that money is unrighteous in itself, but that money calls forth all kinds of wrong thoughts in people. You really get to know people <clears throat> when money is involved. It's no wonder that the Apostle Paul calls the love of money the root of all evil. Money can bring the best out of people, but also the worst, the worst out in people. And you see that with that steward. He cheated his master out of money. And that's why when the master finds out about that, he calls him in. He says, you're going to go, and you better give account of everything that you've done. Well, the Lord Jesus compares us with that steward. You're actually a steward, you know. God made this world and everything that's in it. Everything belongs to him. He's the owner. He's the king of earth's domain, we sang with Psalm 24. And he has appointed you and me to manage his possessions, his estate. Your car belongs to him. The house you live in is his. Your bank account, your cell phone, everything on earth belongs to God, and we are no more than stewards of what is his. He gives it to us to use. We can live from what God gives us, but we may never forget to look higher than this world. The unbelieving world thinks it all belongs to them. They deal with it as if it's their very own and nobody is above them. But we know it's God's and he's going to require us to give account of what we did with what is his and what he gave us to use and manage. And congregation, do we think of that when we're spending money in the store somewhere? Or when we're doing business? It's so easy to buy stuff and to deal with things as if it's all ours. To do with what we want. Well, it's nice to live in a prosperous country like we do in Canada. Still one of the most prosperous nations in the world. But prosperity is not always easy to deal with either for the children of light. The Lord Jesus said somewhere that it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom. What should we and what should we not do with our prosperity and our possessions? It's hard to decide what's right. And it's so easy to become selfish. It's hard to have money. With all the financial advice out there that you can get, it's so easy to become selfish and to forget it actually doesn't belong to you. Easy to forget that God is the owner of it all, of this world and everything in it, and we're just stewards 
who are given what we have to use for his kingdom and glory. And that one day, we're going to have to give account to him of what we did with what he gave us to manage for him. It seems, according to reports, that the financial downturn over the past years is because we in the Western world have the tendency to want to live beyond our means. Our Minister of Finance is concerned about the level of personal debt being carried by Canadians in general. And that shows we have here a culture of more and more and nicer and nicer and more and more expensive all the time. And there's no need to look at the CEOs of banks and so on only. We have to look at ourselves here. We're part of this culture. We know that God owns everything as children of the light. We know that God owns everything and that we're, we're just stewards. How have we as children of the light managed our money and possessions? Do we always keep in mind as we're handling our money and dealing with our possessions that we're accountable to God for everything we buy and sell? We say every penny? Or now that pennies are out, every nickel? Or have we become so influenced by the prosperity culture here that we deal with everything as if it's ours, our own, instead of God's? Congregation, as children of the light, we have to look higher than this world. And then we'll learn as sons of the light how we need to manage mammon too. Because that mammon is unrighteous stuff which can bring out the worst in us. But as, as people who know a Savior who died and rose for them and is seated at God's right hand and who know through him a Father in heaven who has everything, who owns everything, we can look higher and we need to learn to make friends for ourselves with that mammon as the Lord Jesus instructs us in our text. And that brings us to the second point of the sermon this morning. Look farther than the world does. So look higher, also farther. Congregation, if you look higher than this world, look up to God, then you can also look farther than this world. In this parable, the Lord Jesus shows us we also need to do that. He shows us that with the steward there in that parable. You might wonder how that steward, that manager, can be an example for us as sons of the light. Because he's an unrighteous man, a dishonest steward, manager. Strange, isn't it, that the owner of the business, his boss, actually praises him. Look at what this man did. Word had gone around he had misused the finances of his master. He, the business for his own gain. He had to give now, he had to give account of his stewardship. He had to submit, you could say, to an audit of the financial records. Now it takes a while for the auditors to come and check the books, so in the meantime, that steward looked for a couple of customers who owed the business quite a bit. 
There was one who owed the business 100 measures of oil and another who owed 100 measures of wheat. That's about 800 gallons of oil and 1,000 bushels of wheat, according to the New International Version of the Bible. So those were big amounts, big amounts. The steward called them into the office. Not at the same time, but separately, apparently, and he lets those debtors revise the amount themselves. Here, write this in here. The man who owed 100 measures of oil was allowed to make it 50, half. The man who owed 100 measures of wheat allowed to change the number to 80, quite a bit less. What a, what a shrewd steward, sly. There were no witnesses. And the man didn't change the figures himself. He said, here, write this down to them. So nobody could prove that he was the one who fooled with the accounts. And he did that because he knew he was going to lose his job as manager of the business. And then he was going to be unemployed and without income, source of income. And there was no employment insurance or, or so in those days for him. But those two farmers who he had allowed to change the amount they owed would be so grateful and accommodating to him, he knew. He could count on their help when he was out on the street. And that's how he made friends with unrighteous mammon. And when the owner of the business heard later on what his steward had all done, you'd think he'd haul this guy into court yet. But no, he didn't do that. Instead, he praised that dishonest steward. And then you wonder, too, is that man supposed to be an example for us to follow? Do we have to make friends by means of unrighteous mammon like that man did? Why did the owner praise that deceitful steward? Well, not because he had stolen from him. That was wrong, definitely. But he praised him because of his foresight. He looked ahead. He saw he was going to be without any means of support in the future. So he figured a way to make sure that he would be taken care of when the future caught up to him. That steward had good foresight, and that's what his boss praised him for. And congregation, that's also exactly Jesus' point in, the, in, in that parable. That steward safeguarded himself for what he knew was coming in the future. He used mammon to make friends for himself and to organize shelter for himself for the future. And the Lord Jesus says, take example from that man, children of the light, believers, for as children of the light, you can look farther than the world around you, can't you? You can look to the future and you know what's going to happen in the future. 
You know what's going to happen. You're going to have to give account when you leave this life. See, congregation, if you don't believe in God and in the gospel of Jesus Christ who is coming to judge the living and the dead, who you will have to appear before when you leave this life or when he comes again, well, then you're just going to be preoccupied with this world, with your life here and now. Yes, you're going to take out insurance for possible future trouble, and you save up for your possible future retirement. Unfortunately, you might not even reach that. Well, as as believer, you know for sure there's a day coming when I'm going to have to give account of myself before God. You know that with certainty. The day you die, or the day Christ returns to judge the living and the dead. And then you're not going to have anything anymore. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to be terribly acquisitive here. You're not going to take anything along anyway. No money, no possessions, nothing. No matter how much you acquired here, you're going to have to let it all go when you breathe your last breath. And the question is, when you lose your place here, will there be a place for you in the everlasting dwellings in heaven with God? As children of the light, you see, you can look further than this world. You see that because of Christ, there's a future which lasts a lot longer than this life here. And if unbelievers are smart enough to look out for their immediate future here, shouldn't we be all the more smart to look out for our eternal future? And that immediate future is so uncertain for those of this world. But we know that that long-term future is so certain. We believe that. Make friends with mammon then so that you'll be welcomed into an everlasting home, says the Lord Jesus. Use your money and goods here, in other words, with an eye to the future that you know is coming, that kingdom of God. Don't become preoccupied with gaining goods and possessions for yourself here and for your immediate future here, which is very uncertain. So many people today are engrossed with possessing things here and now and ensuring their immediate future. Stores advertise all kinds of things and try to convince you that you need this and you can't do without that. Credit card companies make the money look so easy to get. Insurance companies want you to insure everything for the immediate future. And all the stuff that we acquire here is temporary, fragile, and that immediate future here in this life is so uncertain. You could be gone today, tomorrow, and you can't take anything with you. 
And what you have can disappear just like that too. You sometimes hear of investments which suddenly lose their value just like that. Millions lost in a couple of transactions. See, if you focus your life on possessing here and, and having it here, you're actually making yourself poor. But if you focus your life on the kingdom of God, which is coming to fullness when Christ returns in glory, then you're actually looking ahead to the fullness, to a treasure which will never lose its shine. See, congregation, as children of the light, we're actually not at home here. This is not our home. Like Abram and the other believers in the, in the Bible, we're strangers and sojourners here. Temporary people here. And we're, we're looking ahead to the promised land, looking to living with God forever in the renewal of all things. And we need to keep that in our hearts and minds. Also, when we're doing business here, buying and selling, if we look ahead to that everlasting home, then we're going to use what God gives us to manage here, to make friends for that future. Make friends for ourselves by unrighteous mammon. <coughs> so as sons of the light, we need to look higher to God, farther to the future. And in the third point of the sermon, we see that Jesus also shows us here that as children of the light, we look differently than the world does. We look differently around us. Congregation, when you believe in God's grace in Jesus Christ, you see things around you in this world with other eyes than so many other people do who don't know God. Because how can you make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon so that they may receive you, those friends may receive you into an everlasting home? That dishonest steward only thought about himself, how he could save his own skin for the immediate future. But that's not the attitude a son of the light would have, right? If you're child of the light, you're not going to think selfishly, you're not going to be greedy, you're not going to be materialistic. That's not the attitude of people who belong to Christ, who is the light. No, they're going to have the same attitude as Christ does and did. What, what was Christ's attitude? What is his attitude? How did he make friends for himself? He gave himself up for us. He was made poor so that by his poverty we might become rich, the Apostle Paul writes in the second letter to the Corinthians. And think of what it says in Acts 9 about Tabitha, also called Dorcas, a Christian woman in Joppa who became sick and died rather suddenly. But that woman had made a lot of friends. Many widows came to Paul when he went there to Joppa and showed the apostle the clothing this woman had made for them. 
She had quietly helped so many people in need when, when she was still alive. She made friends with unrighteous men. And so she received a place in the Bible. What she did counted in the kingdom of God, in other words. That's why it's recorded in the Bible. Or think of what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, that God gives richly so that we may do good, so that we may be rich in good works, and so store up for ourselves a good foundation for the time to come for eternal life. God gives us the things here so that we can invest them for eternal life. Brothers and sisters and boys and girls too, you belong to Jesus Christ. You're God's people, children of the light. So be good stewards, good steward of what belongs to God. Handle it for good. Use it for good to show God's love and compassion for those in need. Look around you where the needs are and make friends by means of that unrighteous mammon. Realize that the money you receive and your possessions too are not just given to you to use for yourself. No, look around you and give to those in need who God places in your path. Give generously for those in need here in the congregation so that the deacons have ample funds to show God's mercy to those in need and also give to causes elsewhere. Give for those in need elsewhere, even far away in Africa and Haiti and so on. In the name of the Lord, give to them, not meagerly but generously. And not only if you're rich and have money left over, but with compassion in your hearts, eager to help. As John the Baptist described to those who came to him and asked how they should live for the kingdom of God, then he said, let him who has two tunics, and two tunics is not a rich man, let him who has two tunics give to him who has none, and let him who has food do likewise. You realize that the parable of the dishonored steward is a parable about the work of mercy then, ultimately. That's what it comes down to. And that whoever gives for those in need isn't losing anything, but gaining. Gaining. A person like that is making friends who will welcome him or her into the everlasting home. Here is that person who helped me who showed mercy to me. And that person then shows that he or she really belongs to Christ, who had such great mercy on us, who gave himself fully. That person actually makes preparations for life in the eternal home with Christ and all his own. So congregation, Look higher than this world, for you know God is the owner of everything here. Look farther than the world, because you know Jesus Christ wants to give you an everlasting home.
and look differently than the world. Learn from Jesus to see need and have compassion on others in need. Be merciful as He is merciful. And that's how you show you belong with Jesus forever.